Proverbs 14, verse 12, there on the screen or in the Bible, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's one of several Proverbs that are repeated in identical words in another chapter as well, but there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Before we get into our study on wisdom, I want to say first, man has a way that he thinks he can be right with God, but it's wrong. Man, if you ask a kid on the street what you have to do to go to heaven, he says, be good. If you ask an adult on the street what they have to do to go to heaven, they'll say, keep the commandments, obey the golden rule, do the best you can, try to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The confusion is everywhere. That's the way that leads to death. Paul describes that in the book of Romans in chapter 10. I'll jump over there briefly before we go into our study. Romans chapter 10, in verse 1, talking about Israel, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And here's the verse that describes man's way. They being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Man's way is try to do better. We sometimes use this illustration. We have this block that says sin on it. Sometimes we just use a wallet. But we'll put sin on our hand and say, look, this represents us. We're all sinners. But God sent his son into the world, if this hand could represent his son, Jesus Christ. And he's the end of the law for righteousness. He takes, took on the cross our sin on himself, paid the penalty for it, was buried and rose again from the dead. And to whoever believes in him, he gives his righteousness, the righteousness of God. I'm sure I'm going to heaven when I die, but it's not because I'm righteous. It's because the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself was put to my account in the books of heaven when I believed that he had died for me and risen again. So that's where we like to start, just to mention the way that seems right unto a man is not a good way. It doesn't lead to life. There was an occasion when Jesus in Samaria met a woman at the well, and he said, give me a drink. And she said, what are you talking about? You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. You're a man, I'm a woman. You, we don't have anything to do with each other. And his answer was, verse 10 of John chapter 4, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And she said, well, I'd like that. But in verse 13, he explains it further. Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. When you believe what Jesus did was for you, he gives the gift of living water, the gift of everlasting life. He said to her, you just have to know who he is 
And the gift of God, the Bible says the gift of God is Jesus' righteousness. The gift of God is salvation. The gift of God is everlasting life. And so we start with that on the thought that some people listening might not ever have believed in Jesus. And if you believe in him right now, you'll get more out of a Bible study. If you wait until the end of the message to believe in Jesus, you won't get as much out of it. You need to believe in Jesus so that God will help you and teach you in the Bible study. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in the midst of a study on wisdom. <coughs> in chapter 1, verses 2 through 9, it's kind of a rerun that. I, I think we'll, well, we'll look at it just a second here. Proverbs chapter 1 says the point of the Proverbs is to know wisdom and instruction, to receive the instrument of wis- instruction of wisdom. A wise man will hear and increase learning. It's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise it. If you seek wisdom, this section of our study is called Seek Wisdom and Prosper. He says in verse 8 and 9, Hear the instruction of thy father, for snake not the law of thy mother. They shall be ornaments of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. That's decorative and good reward kind of chains, not uh, slave chains. In the next verse on this section, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15, this section we will call, Seek Wisdom and Prosper. Verse 15 of 13 says, Good understanding giveth favor. Good understanding. Seek wisdom. You get favor. The way of transgressors is hard. In chapter 13 and verse 20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. On the other hand, a companion of fools shall be destroyed. In the, same cha- in the next chapter, in verse 6, we have a scorner seeks wisdom and finds it not. Knowledge is easy unto him that has understanding. If you get on the path of seeking wisdom, it gets easier as you go. In this two verses further down the page, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. With wisdom, a prudent person knows where to put his feet, understands his, his way, his road, his path. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his ways, but then there's the other side of it, the folly of fools, his deceit. In verse 15 of this same chapter 14, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man shall be satisfied from himself. The next verse, the simple believes every word. The prudent man looketh well to his going. Seek wisdom, and prosper. In verse 18, the simple inherit folly. You don't want to be a simple-minded person. The prudent are crowned with knowledge. Seek wisdom and prosper. In verse 24 of the same chapter, the crown of the wise is their riches. Good things come. When you seek wisdom, you prosper. The foolishness of fools is folly. In verse 35 of the same chapter, the king's favor is toward a wise servant. The king's wrath is against him that causes shame. 
in the next chapter, chapter 15, and verse 14. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge. The mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. In verse 31 of this same chapter 15, we have the ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. Have your ear open to correction. Some people want you to hear and do better. That reminds me of Galatians chapter 6. We are instructed in our New Testament, Galatians chapter 6, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's, one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now we'll jump back to the Proverbs and where we left off. That was 15, and we'll go to verse 33. I like having it on the screen in front of you. You can read it and keep up with a fast-moving message. I teach my students in the class, sometimes you have to listen faster, but <laughs> we try to make it easy. The fear of the Lord, that's a good thing. That's the right reverential trust and respect to the God who is God. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom before honor is humility. In the next chapter, in chapter 16, in verse 16, seek wisdom and prosper. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather to be chosen than silver? Some of us have gone through enough of life to know that the material things that we so often seek are temporary and not satisfying compared to the fear of the Lord and the wisdom that comes from it. We go on to verses 20 through 23. Page 683, if you're joining us in a Schofield Bible, "...he that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. Seek wisdom and prosper." Whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Verse 21, the wise in heart shall be called prudent. The sweetness of the lips increases learning. Verse 22, understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it. The instruction of fools is folly. You recall Jesus said to that woman at the well that the Water that he would give her would be in her a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It's not just for you. When you receive the gift of God, it should flow out of you to other people. You need to share like you share love. The thing that you have more of, the more that you give it away. The gospel message and God's love. In chapter 18 and verse 15, seek wisdom and prosper is what we're calling this part of the message. The heart of the prudent gets knowledge. The ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. In the next chapter, chapter 19 and verse 8, he that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. Get wisdom and prosper. In chapter 20, 
in chapter 20, in verse 5, counsel, good advice, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. A man of understanding will draw it out. Seek wisdom and prosper. Sometimes we should seek wisdom and counsel from another person, a wise pastor or a good confidant that cares for your soul. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water. Sometimes you have to dig deep for it. In chapter 21, <coughs> verse 20, down the page, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. The foolish man spendeth it up. Sometimes we, in our life, in our path through life, we'll get a, a windfall, we'll get a chunk of money in a hurry, whether it's our business or our personal life. And sometimes we just spend it up. But sometimes it's better first give some to God, then give to the rainy day fund, if you will, the emergency fund, and give toward the day that you won't be having income anymore. Give toward retirement. Be wise. Be wise. If you don't have an emergency fund of money that you can call on when two things go wrong in the car at the same time, you need, you need to think about having an emergency fund. Treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. There are people that have gathered their resources appropriately and wisely. Chapter 21, the, the, verse 22, a wise man scales the city of the mighty and casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. Mighty men live in walled cities, but a wise man can get over the wall and take them down. The story is told about a little Greek city-state that had a wise man in it. His name was Archimedes, as has come down to us. And they was a wealthy community, but they were want their wealth was desired by the people around them. But Archimedes was a wise man. And when an army came against them or a navy by sea, he had engines that he had devised. He was brilliant. He had concave mirrors that could take the energy of the sun and focus it on the warships in the in the harbor and burn them. He invented what is called Greek fire by the historians. They don't know what it was, but some kind of a pitch ball, bitumous, oily substance that you could throw out with a device, and when it hit, it burned even on water, and it didn't. You couldn't put it out. It was a devastating weapon for the technology in those days. Archimedes was a wise man that protected his city with his wisdom. Chapter 22, Seek Wisdom and Prosper. Chapter 22, verse 17, Bow down thine ear, and hear the words of the wise, and apply thine heart unto my knowledge, for it is a pleasant thing if thou keep them within thee. They shall withal be fitted in thy lips. It's going to be appropriate when you put the words of the wise in your mouth. That thy trust may be in the Lord, I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Solomon to his sons wants them to trust in the Lord. He told them the gospel. He told them the truth that God would send a redeemer, a substitute for them. He says, hear my words, my sons. 
It's a pleasant thing. You keep my words within thee. Why? That thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee this day, even to thee. Have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. That would not make a bad thing to put on the wall of every believer. When you've got a good handle on the certainty of the words of truth, that your salvation is as sure as God's promise can't be broken, going to happen because you've believed in his wonderful Savior Son. You know the certainty of the words of truth. The Bible is God's word. And by that you might answer, using the Bible, the words of truth to them that send unto thee. There's a verse in 1 Peter in the New Testament that says so much the very same thing that I wish to look at it. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I've written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge that I make make thee know the certainty of the words of truth that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. If you face questions from your neighbors or your friends and you don't know how to answer them, Maybe you need to put yourself under the sound of sound teaching to learn wisdom, to have the answers. We have a class here we call Christian Evidences. We have another class called Personal Evangelism. These classes taught by men that are expert in those fields can help you, can fill your toolbox with tools to be able to answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. When chapter 23 and verse 23, seek wisdom and prosper is our section, buy the truth, sell it not. Sometimes you have to pay the price. It isn't free necessarily. You have to work at it with your time and your effort and your money. Buy the truth and wisdom and instruction and understanding. I think Solomon is in favor of Bible colleges. I'm not sure. In chapter 24, verses 3 through 7, through wisdom is a house builded. By understanding it is established. By knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strength, for by wise counsels thou shalt make war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Wisdom's too high for a fool. He opens not his mouth in the gate. Seek wisdom and prosper. In verse 13 and 14 in the same chapter, Solomon says, My son, eat thou honey, because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to thy taste, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul when thou hast found it. Then there shall be a reward, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. Seek wisdom, and prosper. In chapter 28, 
chapter 28 and verse 2, we have, For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. You care about our country? Seek wisdom and prosper. <coughs> by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. Your beloved nation will continue longer and better if you seek wisdom from God's word, God's counsel. Verse 26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. And the last verse in this section, Seek Wisdom and Prosper, chapter 29, verse 8. Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but wise men turn away wrath. Wise men turn away wrath. I've added another reference or two to the thought that we finish here, seek wisdom and prosper. In the book of Deuteronomy, written by Moses long before Solomon, in verse 5 of chapter 4, this is page 220 in the Schofield Bible, here's the word, I'm going to see, I think this is Moses, not God himself speaking. Moses says, For God, behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do so in the land whither you go to possess it. So this is specifically for the people of Israel as they're leaving the wilderness and going into the promised land, but it so well applies to us in our day. Keep therefore and do them the wisdom of God. This is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there that is, is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day. And then verse 9 summarizes, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. What had they seen? The plagues in Egypt. What had they seen? The Red Sea parted before them and then falling back in on the army of Pharaoh and drowning them all. What had they seen? Water out of the rock. What had they seen? Water that was bitter turned sweet. What had they seen? Quail abundantly to eat. And then what? Day after day after day, the bread of heaven, angels' food, they called it manna, to feed them. Water, food, clothing that didn't wear out for 40 years, God's hand protecting them as they had to face battle. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. He says this, teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Teach these things, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when you promised that you would. So seek wisdom and prosper. It was commanded the children of Israel. It is well commanded to us as well. That finishes last week's set of notes, and we go on to the new set from this week. 
The other side of this, and some of these were couplets where both sides were presented, but the other side of this is what happens if you reject wisdom. If you reject wisdom, well, if you reject wisdom, you don't prosper. Let me get back to my next bookmark here. Here it is. Okay. We're going to look at verse 20 of chapter 1 briefly. We did this, read this whole passage two, three weeks ago in our first lesson on Proverbs about wisdom seeking us, wisdom crying in the streets and the chief and all the busy places. Things don't love simplicity. You scorners delight in your scorning. Fools hate knowledge. Turn at my reproof, wisdom says. Turn at my reproof. Wisdom rejected at the end of this passage in verse 32. Wisdom says this, Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. The turning away of the simple shall slay them. The prosperity of fools shall destroy them. If wisdom is rejected, the result is not good. It's not prosperity. Wisdom rejected, you don't want that. In chapter 1, in verse 7, should have stopped by there on the way down. Chapter 1, verse 7, fools despise wisdom and instruction. In chapter 3, Verse 35, shame shall be the promotion of fools. In chapter 8, if you don't seek wisdom, what's the result? In chapter 8, verse 13, God says this about things he hates. I hate evil, pride, arrogancy, the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. I don't think I want to be involved in the hate of God. Chapter 8, verse 36. If you reject wisdom, he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me, wisdom says, love death. In chapter 9, Verse 12, if thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. If thou scornest, thou alone shall bear it. Chapter 10, the first verse, a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. I'm going to skip ahead just for a moment in chapter 15, in verse 20, this same foolish son is mentioned. 15:20 says, "A wise son makes a glad father. A foolish man despises his mother." Ugh. Let me go back to chapter 10. In verse eight, "A prating fool shall fall." If you're wise, you receive commandments. A prating fool, somebody that just runs his mouth, shall fall. In verses 13 and 14, what if you reject wisdom? A rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Verse 14, the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. 
in chapter 11, verse 29. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. The fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. It's not a good thing to inherit the wind. There's hard to get a hold of that. It's a bad idea. In chapter 12, verse 8, he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised, despised. In verse 15 of the same chapter 12, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. That's a fool. Won't be corrected. Chapter 13, a wise son hears, a scorner heareth not rebuke. Chapter 14 and verse 33, if you don't receive wisdom, what's the result? Wisdom rests in the heart of him that hath understanding. But that which is in the midst of fools made known, not in a good way. In chapter 15, verse 2, the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Verse 5, a fool despises his father's instruction. I don't think we should call each other fools. I didn't. In the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Verse 7 of chapter 15. In Chapter 15 and verse 20. A wise son makes a glad father, but here's, we read this already, a foolish man despises his mother. How awful. Verse 21. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom. Somebody all excited and happy about foolishness. He has no wisdom. Destitute of wisdom. Destitute of wisdom. Chapter 17 following the path of what happens if you reject wisdom. In 1724, the eyes of the fool are in the ends of the earth. Wisdom is right there in front of the one that has understanding. The eyes of a fool, they're looking over the horizon. They're looking beyond the clouds. They're not seeing what they need to see right up close and right now. I was directed from this verse to Ecclesiastes the next verse in the Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter, the next book in the Bible, Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9, also a book of some wisdom. And it says, Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. We need to pay attention to what we can deal with right now in, in, in hand, not be wandering in our desires to the ends of the earth never satisfied, never doing anything worthwhile and useful. All right, we go back now to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, verse 12. A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. 
I was out for a walk one night up in the panhandle of Florida, came to a driveway I couldn't see to the end of, and the gate was wide open, and it looked like an interesting place to check out. And I was a pastor, so I got to visit neighbors if I wanted to. And I started up this driveway. My wife was with me, and after a little bit of a bend in the road, there's a sign on the side that says, my dog can get to the gate before you can. And I thought about that, and I said, maybe we should just go back the other way here, because they were not necessarily invitation to be friendly there. Proverbs 28, we paid attention to the sign. Verse 26, Proverbs 28, 26, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. He that walketh, whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Chapter 29 and verse 3. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoices his father, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. Reject wisdom. It's a bad, it's a bad end. And verse 8 of this same chapter. Scornful men bring a city into a snare. Wise men turn away wrath. A few years ago, many of the major cities of this country, controlled by men of liberal mindset, said, we don't like how we're putting wall by the border and going to keep these people out. They need us. They need help. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And Los Angeles and Chicago and New York and the cities of the, uh, under the control of such men said, send them. And so Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott of Texas started sending the masses of the border crossers to New York and to Chicago and to Denver. And, and you know, they don't want to send them any, They just don't want them sent anymore. They, they uh, have brought their city into a snare. I have to confess, I like to watch a television program, mostly because it's Tom Selleck, but called Blue Bloods. And at the end of all of the last season of Blue Bloods, the commissioner of police in New York, Tom Selleck, the hero, was at odds with the mayor of New York because the mayor was saying, bring them in, bring them in, bring them in. And Tom Selleck was saying, I need more policemen, I need more policemen, I need more policemen. In the first episode of the new season that just came out yesterday or day before, the mayor says, we got to stop bringing these people in. The TV series has not quite completely caught up with reality, but it's tending that way, and I just thought that was interesting. The writers have noticed it's not going to work. Scornful men bring a city into a snare. Wise men turn away wrath. And I don't know the political answer to that. I just, I just observed it and said, hmm, Bible. The last verse on the notes is verse 11 of this chapter. A fool utters all his mind, a wise man keeps it in till afterwards. I teach in the classroom often, and part of teaching is to fill the body of your subject with things that will give your students something to hang on to, like the recent anecdote I just told about Blue Bloods and Tom Selleck. But sometimes the anecdotes I start into, I realize as I'm going into them, don't belong there and shouldn't be told. So I also take the videos of the class and go back through 
and edit out what shouldn't have been said in the first place. And uh, sometimes I wished I'd kept it in until afterwards, but I can fix the video. I can't fix what went out live, and that's a, that's a problem. I'd like to remind you again, all of this seek wisdom and prosper, reject wisdom and oh my, all of this makes no difference if you don't know for sure that when you die you go to heaven. In John chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to the man Nicodemus. He says, I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, I remember when I was introduced to the gospel message and believed in Jesus as my Savior. I remember it. It's clear in my memory. It was a long time ago. It was 1970 in January on the 26th at about 9 o'clock in the evening in Dunedin, Florida. I remember who was talking to me. But remembering all of that doesn't change this truth. The wind Jesus is referring to is this spirit who's going to bring this spiritual birth. A man has to be born of water and of the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There's this old physical birth that you're looking at, which is not going to heaven. <laughs> and then there's a new man. I'm going to get a new body. And the word of God is how I build the new soul and spirit. But it's a new birth entirely from God that doesn't, doesn't sin anymore. If I weren't dragging around my old, visit, my old birth, I wouldn't sin anymore. But I still have to live in this until we go home. Jesus said the wind blows where it wants to. And you can hear the sound of it. And you can't not tell where it came from or where it's going. And that's the truth. We live in Florida. We sometimes hear the wind. And we get on the television or on our screen and look and look at the satellite view and the, the radar view and try to figure out where it's coming from, where it's going. But it's the wind and the storm. And he says everybody born of the Spirit is somehow like that. can't make it happen. You just can't. In chapter 1 of John's Gospel, John reported this. Jesus came to his own, his own creation, but his own people received him not. But then he says, oh, but there's an exception. Generally speaking, Jesus was not received by his own people. But as many as received him, there's always some. There's always some that will respond, that will be moved by the wind, even though they can't see how it happens. As many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You might say, oh, I, I see that I've got to receive Jesus. How do I do that? Believe on his name. The explanation John gives for receiving the Savior is to believe on his name. When you believe on his name, verse 13 says, you're born not of the blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, born of God. There's the explanation before even John chapter 3 is recorded. If you receive him, if you believe in his name, Jesus, 
which is a short version of Jehovah Yeshua, Joshua, from Jehovah, the eternal self-existent God, Yeshua, the Hebrew word for Savior, God the Savior. Believe in his name. Jesus is God the Savior. When you believe Jesus is God, your Savior, you're born. You've received him. You're born of God, as he said to Nicodemus. In chapter 3 again, we'll look in verse 12. Jesus said to Nicodemus, I've told you earthly things, and you believe not. Talked about the wind to you. You believe not. How will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? He says, here's a heavenly thing. No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven, from the point of view of God, the eternal Jesus, while he stood there on the rooftop talking with Nicodemus in the night, was in heaven still. He's the Son of Man which is in heaven. When John wrote this years and years later, Jesus was again in heaven. He had ascended back into heaven. He had originally, before he became a man in the virgin's womb, had come down from heaven. The one that came down from heaven is the one that went back up to heaven. He's the Son of Man which is in heaven. That's the heavenly thing, he says. I I can't expect you to understand it. You don't get the earthly things. And then he said, here's an illustration. Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness. Do you know the illustration? Nicodemus would have known it. There was a plague of serpents on God's people Israel in the wilderness. And they were bitten by them and were dying. And Moses prayed for them and God said, do this. Set up a pole. On the top of the pole put a serpent of brass. Lift it up so that they can see it. Whoever will look will live. And Moses did what he was told and the only requirement was to look and live. No requirement to quit sinning, turn from sin, join the church, be baptized, nothing but look and live. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, I'm going to be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then that simplest verse in the whole Bible, so widely loved and so little understood. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him, look and live, should not perish, but have everlasting life. His invitation is always, believe. It's the same as receive. Look and live. If you knew that, the gift of God and who it was that speaks unto you, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Chapter 7 of John, it says, In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. As the scripture has said, He that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we've come to the end of this time today, we pray that those listening who may not ever have received Jesus, not ever have believed in his name, never looked to the cross and looking understood the gift of God and who it was that died there for them. 
If anyone is in that situation today, will they realize just in these moments now that all they can do, not establish their own righteousness, but submit themselves to the righteousness of God, let God put his perfect righteousness to their account, and it's available to any who would just do no more than believe in Jesus. Father, bless each one. Help us learn this message and have these words to answer the ones that ask us the reason of the hope that's in us. In Jesus' name, amen.